This is Chapter 3 in a series of media resources accompanying the Starting Point Conversation Guide. Soundtrack is a message series delivered at North Point Community Church by Louis Giglio. Great stories have equally moving soundtracks, and there is no greater epic than the unfolding and unending story of God. In this message, Louis explains that the glory of creation invites us to join the story. Well, as we begin this series uh, soundtrack, uh, we're going to be talking about the greatest story ever told and how we can join in the anthem of the soundtrack that amplifies the story. Before you have a song, you have a story, and once you see the story, the song unfolds. I, was, um, I had a privilege a few months ago, actually at the beginning of this year, of being in Abbey Road Studios in London. Anybody, does that ring a bell for anybody here? Any music people here? Abbey Road, Beatles, you with me? Um, I wasn't there as a tourist. I was there actually working on a record, which was pretty exciting. I was, um, our label was working on a, a Matt Redman record there, and um, it's pretty amazing. There are three studios inside Abbey Road for recording music. And um, there's the smaller one, which we were in, thank you very much, because um, we were just mixing the record, called Studio 3. Down the hall is Studio 2. It's a little bit larger, two-story deal at the end of the hall. Uh, some guy named um, Paul McCartney was in there actually tracking a record. Um, I saw him in the hallway, like from me to you, talking to George Martin out in the hallway, okay? Younger people don't care. Older people's like, whoa, okay, good, good spot. That was a nice one, you know, way to go. Um, George Martin just happened to discover and produce all the Beatles records, by the way. Um, Studio One downstairs, uh, down the hall the other way and kind of underneath where we were is a massive studio. It's where the Beatles recorded most of their songs. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you it's almost as big as this room. And in Studio One, so we've got Matt Redman, um, worship project going on in uh, Studio Three. Did I mention that? Uh, we have Paul McCartney, some people have heard of him, down in Studio Two. In Studio One, they're scoring the soundtrack for the movie Troy. Yeah, there you go. Saw so one person saw the movie Troy. So, oh, wow, okay, that's cool. Brad Pitt, you remember it? I don't know if you saw much beyond that, but he was in it. And um, when I'm talking about scoring, I mean like big time. OK, I, I, I want to get in there bad, but it's it's locked up top secret because the movie's not coming out for six more months and nobody can see it because they're afraid I'd go to the tabloids and tell them how the movie ends, you know, because nobody knows how the story ends. And, you know, it's a big deal. So you can't go in there, but you can hear they have a, a restaurant at the bottom of this. Abbey Road's a humongous complex. And on the bottom, they have a little restaurant, a little cafe thing. And right down the hall from there are the big doors that go into Studio One. And I just kind of walk by there and sort of lean up real close to the doors. And they're soundproof. But they have a 110-piece London Philharmonic Orchestra in there scoring this movie. You can't keep that soundproofed. I mean, it's massive. And you can hear it. And I'm like, I hear it. I hear something. You know, I don't know what I'm, what's going on. But I hear the music, you know, I'm outside the door and finally I've been there about three days now and finally feel like we're building good relationships with the people and the studio manager. I say to her, you know, we have this record label and we do recordings throughout the years and one of our other groups might like to come back and record here at some time. And so I feel like I'd, I'd be helpful for me to see all the studios that you have here, you know, and um, <laughs> she went for that. She said, well, that's fine. I can't actually take you in there until they're finished with their session. So maybe later tonight when they wrap things up for the day, I'll take you in. I'm like, that's fine with me. So in we go later that day. And I mean, it's just unbelievable. The doors open and I mean, there's a setup for an orchestra to be recorded. And on the end of this, this huge studio, uh, ceiling almost as high as the one in here, all the way across the wall, as big as that wall is a screen. And they're they're shooting from a projector at this end 
the movie Troy. And it's playing right as we walk in because they're doing some post-editing and, and the control room guys are still working. And we're walking in and I'm supposed to be looking at the microphones they have and all the great stuff. And then I'm looking at the movie. I'm like, I want to see what's going on in the movie. So I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm looking back to see if, you know, anything weird happens that I don't know about. And I could tell people ahead of time, hey, I've already seen the movie. Let me tell you what's going to happen. And it, it was amazing, though, because did you see the movie Troy? Anybody here? Apparently not. Wasn't a big success here. Thank you very much. You saw the movie. Powerful movie, I'm guessing. Um, but it wasn't all that powerful this day because you couldn't hear the music playing. It was just the projector shooting it on the wall. And the guys in the control room down here probably could hear the music in the control room. And as we walked around, I thought, that's amazing. 110-piece orchestra. And you know how they did it? She was telling us how they did it. The composer stands there and watches the movie. And as the movie unfolds, the scoring happens, literally watching the movie. The score comes together. And it's the score, is it not, that causes us to rise up on the inside and go, yeah, or oh no, or uh-oh, or ooh. It's the soundtrack that brings the story to life. For these weeks, we want to talk about that soundtrack Soundtrack for us is going to be the worship of the people of God, because the story that we're talking about is the story of God. Before you can have a song, you have to have a story. Before there can be a score, there has to be a drama unfolding. And the drama that's unfolding around us every day is the story of God. It's the greatest story ever told. And as we see it unfold, as we watch what he does, as we understand who he is, a song emerges in our hearts. It emerges in the hearts of the people of God. And we become, you and I, together become the soundtrack of God in our world. And that's why the songs we sing here on Sunday morning, they take on such huge significance. And the worship of our lives, collectively and individually, gives music to the unfolding story of God in our town, in our world, in our culture right now, to all the people around us. But before we can talk about the soundtrack, we have to talk about the story. And just in case you didn't know, the story we're talking about is the story of God. And so today's title is Welcome to the Story of God. Just if it's a new thought for you, here's the short version of it today. Everything is the story of God. He's before all things. He's at the end of all things. He's through all things. He's the reason for all things. He's the originator, the sustainer, the giver of all things. And all things are ultimately about him. Life is about him. Eternity is about him. History is about him. Creation is all about him. This church is about him. Life is about him. You are about him. I am about him. Heaven is about him. This book of scripture is about him. Everything that exists is about God. Therefore, everything is the story of God. And we want to wake up to that today. We want to wake up today and realize that we are in the middle of a grand story. I think the greatest thing that can happen to a person, a human being, I know the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life was when I woke up to realize I am in a grand story. And hello, it is not about me. It's all about him. And can I tell you the truth? I was a Christian when I woke up to that truth because I became a Christian when I was a little bitty boy. And I think little bitty boys can understand that Jesus Christ came and died for their sins. I believe little boys can understand that. But I think you have to sort of start entering into adulthood and into my lifehood and into my storyhood 
before you can fully wake up and go, oh my goodness, I've got such a small story of me and I'm living in the middle of a massive story of you. And I'm faced with a choice. I'm at the crossroads. Do I want to keep starring in a little bitty story of me? Or do I want to surrender my life and join the great big story of God? That's the way the scripture unfolds. If you have a Bible this morning, our first passage is going to be easy to find. You're going to love this one, especially if you're new to, new to church or new to scripture or new to this whole thing. And you just got a Bible, you're going to love this one today because you might have come nervous like I don't know where stuff is. This verse is the first verse in the Bible. So if you go past the table of contents and the preface, bingo, you're there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We get the creation story. Now, just for background's sake, this is not where the story of God begins. This is where the creation story begins. The story of God doesn't have a beginning. Now, I spend some time on that, but I can't explain it any more than that. The story of God has no beginning. Now, if you say, wait a minute, that makes my brain hurt. Join the crowd. I mean, that's... And I'll tell you what else is unique about the story of God. Not only does his story not have a beginning, the story of God is the only story that doesn't conclude with the two words. Say them with me. The end. His story doesn't conclude with those words. His story has no end. His story has no beginning and his story has no end. That's one reason why we want to get into his story. Creation, maybe we don't know where it comes. Maybe it's chapter 7,942. Creation. We don't know how long God's been around. What has he been doing? What's his story been like before he decides to create everything you've seen and everything I've seen in me and you? But when he begins the creation story, this chapter begins with the words in the beginning. You mean like in the beginning, beginning? No, in the beginning of the creation chapter of the story of God, in the beginning of our part of the story, which was already going on beforehand in the beginning of the creation Hello, God. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, we could get into debates. We can hash it out. You can get into philosophy. But it, it, this is pretty simple right here. And you can talk and think and, you know, philosophize all through life and never really get a good answer better than this answer. In the beginning of our creation story, God. In other words, he was there before. And he was starting this new chapter in his story called I'm going to make a world. Here's how to make a world. Are you ready? On the first day, you separate the darkness from the light. And on the first day, that's what he did. You're saying that's all he did? Yeah, that's all he did. When you separate the darkness from the light, see how long it takes you. I mean, day one, <laughs> daytime, nighttime. That was day one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he starts unfolding. Day two. Let's separate the sky from the waters below. You're thinking, is that all he did on day two? That's it. So the next time you want to push, you know, an atmosphere up there and then have waters below, see how long that takes. Day three, he starts to make earth, vegetation, birds of the air, fish of the sea. He makes all the created animals. He makes the starry host of the universe. He puts the galaxies in place. He puts the universes beyond our understanding in place. And now the creation story, which is, by the way, how many days long? Seven days long. Now it's late on the sixth day. And God decides to invite man 
into his story. Isn't that cool? You would have think it, thought we'd been there the first day so we could show him where to put stuff and how to make stuff and how we wanted things to be. And No, 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 don't put that up there. Put that over there. I don't like it. I, I want that over there. Come on. That, that's not a tree. Come on. You know, I mean, we figure we got to be around so we can explain stuff and help him with dilemmas and problems that he has. No, it's late on the sixth day and everything's been made. And then he scoops the dust of the earth together. He leans over and he breathes into the nostrils of this form of a man. And the scripture says when he did, Adam became a living being. And he woke up. And he's looking right at the face of the creator of the universe. Imagine that wake up. And I don't know what, it it doesn't say what is recorded, you know, conversationally there, but could have been, hi, hi. Welcome to the story of God. Look around and Adam's like, oh, man. And God's like, tell me about it. (laughs) What happened here? I just said trees, birds, ants, fragrance. And it all came to be. And Adam's like, and God's like, welcome. Welcome to my story. It's only seven days long, the creation story, and you barely got in on the sixth day. It didn't start with you. You weren't the first thing I made. I didn't need you. I did all this by myself. And then he puts Adam to sleep again because God isn't finished, right? No amen from the women there. I thought we'd be a little something going on there. He's not finished yet. He puts Adam to sleep again, and when Adam wakes up the second time, whoa! Eve! She's standing right there. Can you imagine that? How beautiful she was? First woman he'd ever seen before, and he's just, whoa! She was unclothed, she was perfect. I mean, that's in the Bible. I don't, I mean, for real? She, she, it was just like paradise, and then Eve. I mean, if I'm Adam, I'm like, oh, put me to sleep again. I mean, first time I wake up, God. Second time I wake up, Eve. I'm like, whoa, waking up is a really good thing. (laughs) It's just free for over lunch. But women, when you were made and formed and fashioned and entered world asleep, okay, we were asleep, okay? Just remember that. That's just, I'm not, I'm not trying to cop out on anything. For all the men in the building, I'm just telling you, we were asleep. So if the thought ever goes through your mind, I wonder if he's ever, no. I wonder if one of these, no. I wonder if, why, no. We were asleep. See, the whole time we were asleep. But when Adam woke up, wow. And he's, there's God and Adam and Eve in the middle of the garden. And you would think, well, I know what happened. God made all of that just for them. Yeah, that sounds exactly like the way people think. And God said, I've made all this just for you. Mm -mm. God made all this for himself. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, we read in the scriptures. Praise him, sun and moon and stars above. We read in scripture, the heavens are not going. Adam is a really great guy. No, the heavens are telling the glory of God and their expanse declares the work of his hands. We read in scripture, the trees of the fields clap their hands. The mountains break forth with songs of joy. Every ocean wave 
is an affirmation of his praise. Every bird that sings is an echo of the heart of God. All of creation, the raging sun, the universe is beyond. It's all giving glory to the one who made it. It's all giving glory to the one the story is about. Creation knows that the story is not about creation. Creation knows the story is about God. And every day they just pour forth their speech and their praise to God. But the man might think, oh, God, you made all this just for us. And God's saying, no, I would love for you to enjoy it. I would love for you to rule over it. And I would like for you to manage it for me. You have a role, Adam, in the story of God. Welcome. I'm not just going to ask you to walk around on the set going, I don't know why I'm here. I'm going to give you a job and a role to play in the story of God. It unfolds right here in the first chapter. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. Whose image did God create man in? In the image of God. So just by our very creation, we're created in the image of God, in the likeness of God, to show that we're made by God and for God. Just by our very creation in the image of God means that the story is about God. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. So he was happy they were there in the story. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living creature that moves on the ground. In other words, here's your job in my story. Here's the role you're going to play in my story. And then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, so it's not just to them he's given all the foods theirs. No, to all the beasts of the earth, all the birds of the air, and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God's saying, I want you to rule. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill the earth. I want you to subdue it. I want you to be in charge of everything, Adam. That's what I want you to do. That's your job in the story of God. And so God saw That all he had made, he saw that it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And on the seventh day, we know they rested. God rested from all of his creation labor. And then Adam and Eve began to live in the Garden of Eden. And that's where it all started going downhill. Because eventually, Adam and Eve listened to a voice of deception that led them down a road something like this. Why? Do we want to have a little bitty role, I mean caretakers basically, in the story of God when we could possibly have the starring role in this story? That's what they were deceived by. If we eat of the fruit of the, 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 fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, we will become like God. In other words... Forget being, you know, taking care of the animals and managing the earth and multiplying and filling up the earth. I mean, forget that role. We could become like have the big role and they went for it. They thought that's what we want. They went for it. They, they ate of the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. When they took a bite out of that fruit, it took a bite out of them as well. And the scripture tells us Adam and Eve died spiritually in that instance and were separated from God and banished from paradise. And in a heartbeat. Their opportunity to play a role in this grand story of God 
died. In the history of man, and if I could be honest and say it, the history that we are a part of this morning is the history of men and women and students trading out the opportunity to play a role in the story of God for the, for the chance of starring in the story of them. And so you've got a lot of little storylines unfolding with a lot of big stars in the middle of it. It's mine. I'm the star. I write the script. I decide who's in, who's out, the outcome. I'm, it's about my name. It's about me doing what I want to do. It's about my business, about my company, about my family, about my money, about my experiences, about me and mine. And I'm the central character in the story of me. The problem is the story is a little bitty, teeny tiny story. He's saying, oh, no, it's not. I'm, I got my own letterhead, my own company, my own name, my own thing, my own whatever, my own da-da-da-da-da-da. And if you're really lucky, you can get a crowd. And if you're really, really lucky, you can get them to cheer for you. But at the end of the day, when the last clap fades, the story is over. The story, the teeny tiny story of you, it comes to an end. And God is in the business today of reversing what happened in Eden. And he's in the business of inviting us to trade in little stories and lesser fame to have a role, any role, in the never-ending Grand story of God. And we have that choice today. You can just walk right out of this place today and say, "Mm -mm. I am going to star in the story of me. There's a scripture in the New Testament and it says that all have sinned. And listen to the way that this is phrased. For all have sinned. I think we pretty much would agree with that part. At least I would. For all have sinned. But listen to how it describes it. And fall short of the glory of God. In other words, that, that when we took the reins in our own hands, we fell short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means that we missed out on being what we were made to be. We missed out on having a role in the story that we were meant to have. We, we, we settled for a shrunk down version of the story. And you may still have a soundtrack in your story. You may have all your favorite songs and all your favorite moments and all the and people can hear the little the little anthem of your little movie going on. But it's just a little bitty movie, a little bitty story of you. And God is saying today, trade it in. Trade it in and let me invite you into this grand story. And you say, "Well, am I going to get to have a big role?" You know what? When we realize that we're sinners and don't even deserve to be in the story and come to the cross of Christ, we say, look, I don't I just give me any role in the story of God. Just use me any way you want to in the story of God. Give me any part in the story of God. I just want to be in your story. You say, well, Louis, why do I want to do that? I mean, I got it going on. I got my story. It seems like it's going pretty good. The plot line's working out, or maybe I had a couple of twists and turns, but I fired those people and got some new people in, and it's working out okay. Why would I want to trade the starring role in the story of me for any role, or maybe a supporting role, or a little role in the story of God? 
I'll give you a couple of reasons this morning. The first one is this, because you're already in the story. You're already in the story, so you might as well join the story. I don't mean join the story like be in the story. I mean join the story like say, God, I surrender to the story. I get it that it's about you, and I want to be about you. I understand that you're the central character. I want my life to shine a light on you. I want to make much of you with my life. Instead of asking you to make much of me, I want to say, Lord, help me make much of you. And when we do that, it doesn't put us in the story. It just allows us to join the story. You're already in the story of God. That's a good reason, number one, for trading a little bitty story for a bigger one of God. Another reason why I think we should trade our small story today is because when we do that, it brings meaning to everything in our lives. It doesn't matter if you're a mother at home with three small children. It doesn't matter if you work in a cubicle that's two feet wide. It's not even, you know, like ecologically or environmentally conducive to labor of any productive quality, but you're in there every day and you're looking at a computer screen and you're going, I don't get it. I had bigger plans. I had different dreams and this is where I sit. This is my life. I sit in traffic and then I sit in this cubicle and then I sit in traffic again and then I sit in this cubicle. Hello? I mean, some of you things have happened and you know, this is the beautiful thing, though. When we trade our little story for the big story of God, everything in our life begins to take on significance because we know that God's using it all in his drama. And we don't know how he's using it. We know he's using the good and the bad, life and death, sickness and health, joy and sorrow, that God's using all of it somehow in his unfolding drama. And it gives meaning to everything we do. Another reason we trade these stories in because it replaces control with rest. If you're starring in your own story and trying to direct it, which some of us know about that, dual roles, you know, I'm the director, I'm the guy walking around with a little take two, take three, take four, take five thing, let's do it again, let's try it again, and you're telling everybody, no, you're in the wrong light, you're in my light, get off the stage, get in the scene, get out of the scene, do this, do that, do the other, and you're directing the whole thing, which means you're writing the script, you're worried about the plot line, you're worried about the outcome, you're trying to hold it all together, you're starring in and directing in the story of you, and it's just like wearing you down. That's what control does. It stresses us out and freaks us out. And God's saying, hey, you can trade that in for rest. What is rest? Rest is I'm just available, God, to obey you and yield my life to you and gladly shine a light on you. I can't control the plot. I can't control the script. I'm not even in control of what actors are in the scene. I'm just available to you. And control and stress becomes rest And knowing that God is at work. Day seven, Adam and Eve had just got there. They woke up. What are we going to do today? We're going to rest today. Why are we going to rest today? We're not tired. We just got here. Day seven is a day of God just saying, just remember that I made all of this before you got here. I made all this by myself. And I made you. Rest. The story's about me. And I'm directing the script and the plot and the outcome. And it's going to be great. Just trust me in the story. Why trade in a small story today? Because of who's asking. We're not talking about Steven Spielberg seeing you in the mall and saying you're just the person we're looking for for our new epic drama. We're talking about the creator of the world. And he's coming to you personally today and saying, what do you want? It's your choice. You want to star in that small story? Or do you want to come play a part in my never-ending story? I'm the creator of the world and I'm inviting you To join my story. Because of who's asking, we say, "Uh uh-huh, I would like to trade. I would like to upgrade. I would like a bigger story. I'd like to exchange a little bitty story of me that's that long for a place and a story of you that never ends. Thank you, God. 
But there's going to be an after-party party, and I think part of that party is us sitting back and watching the story of God unfold. Not, I mean, from beginning to end. Who knows what that looks like? We just know the creation part. Who knows what was going on before? And we see the whole story of God go by. Then at some point, our lives blip through the story of God. You're thinking, I'm going to be in there. Here I come in the story of God. It's going to be, no, it's going to be, there you go in the story of God. But you're going to go, whoa, did you see that? There I went. There was my life in the story of God. I was in the story. I got to be a part of God's fame. I got to be a part of his anthem. I got to be a part of the soundtrack of my life, of providing the music, the worship, the anthem of God's fame in the world. I was in the story, and for all of heaven, for forever and ever, as the celebration unfolds, I'm in the story of God. By the grace of God, through the death and resurrection of Christ, I got saved out of a tiny story, and I got a role in the greatest story ever told. Wow. What about you? Do you want a star? You can. It's all about you. In a little tiny story. Or look up and see the cross and go, thank you, God. For giving me a second chance. For washing away my sin and giving me a role. A place in your family. For allowing me to come and sing a song be a part of the soundtrack and to be at the after party forever and know that I was in the story. Somehow you used me for your great fame. You hear the music in here today? Can you hear it? This room's full of music right now. Right now. Full of music. Can you hear it? You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the room. It's full of music. Right now. You don't believe me? Check this out. (laughs) You hear it? It's not that long if you hear it. It was in here the whole time I've been talking. The room is full of music all morning. And life is filled with the story of God right now today. It's all around you. The greatest story ever told. It's all around you today. The unfolding story, the glory of God, it's all around you. The soundtrack, the worship of the people of God, all around you today in your life. I don't hear it. I've never gotten it. I don't see it. I don't feel it. It's not connecting for me. I'll tell you why. You and I were made. We were made for God, by God, made with receptors to receive God, to connect with God, to be joined with God, to hear the song of God, to be in the story of God. But sin caused something to die. And when it did, our ability to receive, to be receptors of God's story, went dormant. 
the greatest verse most of us have ever heard in our lives says this. But God so loved the world that he gave his own son, who, by the way, took a role in the story of God, the redemption story of God, which is all about God. But God so loved the world, he gave his own son that whoever believed in him would not perish would not shrink down into a tiny little me story that ends and is just after with no party. But that we would have everlasting life. If you invite Christ into your life today, I'll tell you what happens. Something comes alive on the inside. That receptor That sin made dormant becomes alive. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And just by inviting the Savior to come into your heart, it gives you the possibility of being connected to the the power source, if you will. I'd rather say to the life source, if you will. You're made for God. It's just connecting to Him It's just joining with him. It's allowing the life of God, the forgiveness of God, the eternity of God to connect to you and bring you to life. So that the music starts playing in you. The soundtrack of God becomes your soundtrack. And your life joins the story of the glory and the greatness of God. That happens when by faith you just say, come And give me eternal life.